I'm also kind of a midwife. I do that in my spare time now. That's sort of on the side, really, to be honest, because mummy is my main, my main role. Um, but today, I've got the privilege of sharing my one thing. Um, one thing I have to speak, uh, to speak to you about. One thing I have on my heart to talk to you about today. Um, and as I was praying about what to, what to speak about, um, I sensed God say to, to speak about being seen by him. So my one thing is allowing yourself to be seen by God, allowing yourself to be seen by God. I'm going to read a passage from the Bible now, um, a reading that to me tells of the very essence of why I believe this, why I'm standing here today. So it's from um, John 4. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. It's the the woman at the well passage. Um, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had already gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can we get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. 
Later on in the passage, the Samaritans then went on to say, now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This man really is the saviour of the world. So I love that passage and I just, I'd love to share a bit about what it means to me and why I think it's really relevant to us today. Now I wonder how often you've heard it. A hundred times, a thousand times, maybe just once. What does it mean to you? I believe in a, in a living God, a God who is not a distant judge of all, but who craves a relationship with us, a response from us. He wants that response to be our full selves. He calls us to give up our comfort, the way we're accustomed to live, to follow him, to follow his call. He's at work in our lives even when we can't see it. He's weaving our story as part of the bigger story. God sent his son Jesus to die for us, that we might be forever reconciled with him in eternity. So what does it feel like to be face to face with Jesus as a Samaritan woman was when she sat at the well with him? Genuinely face to face with Jesus, with God. What does it feel like to be truly seen by him? Throughout the Bible, the idea of knowing someone else wasn't solely having an acquaintance. It was intimate, it was experiential. It wasn't just intellectual knowledge, but it was a deep, intimate connection. In this passage, we hear how Jesus showed the woman at the well what it felt like to be known, to be seen completely. Being seen by God is to allow ourselves to be fully known, to be fully seen with all of our flaws, and in the knowledge that we are loved unconditionally. We are loved unconditionally. The woman at the well had been shunned by wider society for who she was and what she'd done to the degree that she went to collect water from the well at midday. When the sun was at its highest, the hottest point of the day when absolutely everyone else had long since left. At that time, collecting water was the first thing you'd do in the morning. In the coolest point of the day, you'd carry the heavy buckets of water back home. You wouldn't consider doing it at the hottest point of the day. She was hiding from everyone out of shame. And Jesus met her right where she was. He saw her in her pain, in her shame, in her guilt, in her wish to hide from everyone. He saw her right there. Jesus shows us here how God sees us in showing the woman at the well how God truly saw her. Not getting caught up in what she'd done or what she was doing or who she was, but he saw her potential, her future. He saw her completely as herself. That's the way he sees us as well. He sees our potential, our future. He sees us completely as ourselves. Now, I heard Pete Hughes do this recently in a different context, so credit where credit's due, um, and bear with me for a minute. It's quite a good illustration in this, in this context. If you were asked to spend two minutes looking into the eyes of the person sitting next to you, how do you think you would feel? 
What emotions might rise up in that moment? Two minutes, just face-to-face with someone. You either knew or an acquaintance or someone you completely didn't know at all. What emotions might rise up in that moment? Some of you, I'm sure, will be thinking, bring it on. I love connection. I'm going to know them. They're going to know me. It's going to be brilliant. For everyone else, me included, we'd panic. We might start planning an escape route, a moment where we suddenly need to check something or get a glass of water and we'd run out the church. Um, We might be thinking, I don't want someone to see me. I don't want someone to look at me, to stare at the flaws I see in myself every day. I don't want someone looking into my eyes. What if they see my insecurities? What if they see my self-doubt? I don't want them looking into my soul. The truth is that two minutes face-to-face with anyone probably terrifies us. We crave connection. But what if, what if the reality looks different? What if we experience judgment or we experience rejection? Allowing yourself to be seen is the start of the connection we crave. I'm just going to show a video now. That'd be amazing. Thanks, Mo. Um, The full version is five minutes long. A a few of you might have seen it already, um, but it perfectly demonstrates what it looks like when you allow yourself to be seen by someone else. And I'd love to encourage you to to look at it when you get home, to watch the whole whole clip, because it's it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty good. Um, It's Amnesty International film. There's a group of refugees and a group of Europeans in a room together. So they're paired up, and they're asked to sit and look at each other for four minutes. Four minutes. They're mainly unable to communicate through language because their languages are so different. So they're mainly silent for that time. But here's a snippet of the video. Thank you. Now, when I watch the whole whole five-minute video, I do find myself getting quite emotional watching it. Um, It's such a powerful example of connection because they're they're not really speaking to each other. They're just looking into each other's eyes. And that is just, it's so, so powerful. So I wonder what your reflections are about this. Looking into a complete stranger's eyes for four minutes. That was just a snippet, but um, they end up seeming to know the other person's story far more than we even know about anyone around us. We stare at screens for an average of about nine hours per day, apparently, um, and yet four minutes staring at another person. That is terrifying, isn't it? If you were offered four minutes to look into the face of God, would you take it? We crave that connection, but we fear judgment or rejection. Would he judge us? Would he reject us? Would he punish us for whatever we may have done, whatever we want to hide? Is that honestly in his nature? We know his nature is loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving. It isn't judgmental. He doesn't reject us. He doesn't punish He delights in us. He loves us unconditionally. All of our human experiences of judgment, of punishment, of rejection, they get projected up to God sometimes. And they might mean that we prefer not to look into the face of Jesus. So many of us say we believe in God, that we have a relationship with him. 
But we busy ourselves, we get caught up in our lives to the point where we don't truly let him see us, who we are, our passions, our failings, our difficult relationships, the days when we're less than, the days when we parent badly, the days when we're stressed at work and we take it out in our, on our colleagues. However hard we try to have integrity, to be ourselves completely before Jesus, to be honest and transparent in who we are, we still hold part of ourselves back. There's always something we want to hide. Now, I'm a perfectionist, and I think perfectionism is actually a full-time job. Any fellow perfectionists here might understand I can't leave anything unfinished. I can't leave the house a mess for more than about 30 seconds, which is difficult with two under fives. And I hate getting things wrong. I go over things over and over again to make sure I've got them right sometimes. But as a parent, you suddenly become acutely aware of your failings. Your weaknesses become glaringly obvious because we spend our lives trying not to pass them on to our children. For me, passing on the affliction of perfectionism would be a terrible thing. A lifelong concern about doing everything perfectly is exhausting. When my daughter was three, we did one of those funny quizzes one day where you ask children about their perspectives on things. I asked her what she thought I didn't like doing. She said, you don't like it when you don't do things right. Ouch. Hearing that my three-year-old daughter had already picked up on that characteristic in me, a characteristic that is probably, to me, is my biggest weakness. It's certainly the main trait that I don't want to pass on to her. I felt seen in that moment, and not in a comfortable, this is what I want to share with the world sort of way. My daughter called out something in me that I hadn't realized she'd seen. I thought I'd hidden it pretty well. Very little gets past an inquisitive three-year-old. She saw me in that moment. She saw one of my biggest struggles. She saw something in my behavior that showed her that it wasn't okay to me not to get things right. She saw my biggest weakness, and she called it out in me. Now, I don't know whether you've ever felt seen by someone, a characteristic you've tried so hard to hide, but someone has seen it anyway. An insecurity that you didn't want anyone to notice. A friend asking how you really are when you've done everything in your power to hide your true emotions for fear of the can of worms that opening up to them might bring. Someone looking into our eyes for that little bit too long, questioning whether we really are as fine as we say we are. When we come into God's presence, it can be daunting. We may not want to be seen. We may not want absolutely everything laid on the line for him to see. All of the things we painstakingly hide from those around us. It's difficult, it's costly, it's never comfortable, and it requires quite a lot of humility. But Jesus shows us that even on our very worst days, the most embarrassing, shameful moments, that we are adored, that he doesn't see the things we've done wrong, the people we've hurt, the times we've been on self-destruct mode, and we've taken everyone around us with us, when we've acknowledged those things, God sees us. He sees in us our potential, our future. He sees us. He sees his delight for us, how, how loved we are by him.
out of that moment of being seen in her shame, her failings, the woman at the well met a living God through Jesus, a God who gave her courage a knowledge of who she was and who she could be. He filled her with power, with energy, with words to share with the people she was hiding from. That encounter gave her the confidence to share her experience with the very same people she was hiding from. Being seen by the God of love leads to our transformation in the way that it did with the Samaritans. So being seen by the God of love leads to our transformation in the same way it did for the Samaritans. So how about asking today, God, how do you see me? What do you see when you look at me? How do you see me? What characteristics can you see in me that you've put there? What potential can you see? What future can you see? What do you see when you look at me? Come to Jesus. Allow yourself to be face to face with him. Allow him to see you. See everything about you. He longs to come and he longs us to come and encounter his love, to realize how much we need his transformation in our lives. Our loving Father, he calls out to us, Come. I know you. I know you inside and out. I know every hair on your head. I know the words you'll say before you even say them. I know your deepest thoughts. Let me know you. Let me see you completely. Don't hide your face from me, your thoughts, what's really going on with you. Come and sit with me. Know my love, my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness, my delight in you. Let's be open to the transformation brought by allowing ourselves to be seen by God through the Holy Spirit. So I'd love to encourage you, wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, whether this is the first time you've heard this or the thousand and first, think about allowing him to know you completely. Every hair on your head, right into your soul. That really uncomfortable moment where someone sees into your soul. Let him do that. Let him minister to you. It will feel uncomfortable. But know that he sees your potential, your future. He sees Jesus' perfection in place of our imperfection. He loves us with an unconditional love that our human selves aren't, aren't, aren't capable of. We can just keep trying, and we do. We keep loving each other and trying to replicate his love for us. It's the best testament to what he's done in our lives, to love in the way Jesus loves us. So tonight, I really would love to encourage you to sit with him. Let him see you. Let him in to the areas that you've been trying to hide from him. You might be trying to hide them from people, but it's with him that we need to be doing the business. It's with him we need to be honest. He is going to minister to us. He's going to bring transformation through his Holy Spirit when we let him in, when we let him see who we really are. He will show us our potential, our future. He'll show us who we are and who he has made us to be.